two and a three and a four and a one and a two and a three and a four and a what the fuck is going on going on going on what the fuck is going on in the world right now you know the old song hey what the fuck is happening to our world holy shit what the fuck is happening to our world holy shit it's an old kids song but i felt the need to bring it up because, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I woke up at 7.01 a.m. My bedroom was pitch black. Yet, I cracked the curtain. I looked out, and I saw an orange world. A hue I've never seen before. And it reminded me of the hit song, What the fuck is happening, happening, happening? What the fuck is happening to our planet? you have an answer? Do you have an answer? I thought it was like 3 a.m. on Mars. I wasn't even certain I was on Earth. So it looked like 3 a.m. on Mars. The whole world was orange. The sky was orange. There was a tint. My world was filtered. I walked right into an Instagram filter. Not a good one. Probably the ugliest one. And I put a leash on my dog and I go outside and it's quiet. There's no other humans walking dogs. This is all true, unless I wake up and it was all a dream. Like our friend, the notorious B.I.G. said, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Did anybody moan and groan like Biggie? It was almost a lyric. Ooh, ooh. Ugh. It was all a dream. Was it all a dream? So I kept walking with my dog. In a silent orange world with ash falling onto my head. Ash falling onto my head from the wildfires out in Point Reyes that they said was about 90-95% contained. But luckily we had a marine layer and that means we're going to mix in some fog with the wildfire smoke. And holy shit, this is the apocalypse. I mean really, should we just start expecting the supernatural unexpected? Have we reached that point? Where even saying the word normal should be off limits. Even yearning for that idea of, I just wish it were normal. That's a sentence. That is a statement we should avoid. It ain't gonna be normal. My world is orange and it was claustrophobic in a weird way. It didn't really smell so smoky this morning, but it felt like I was in a microwave. The tint on the trees and the homes and the street was reddish, yellowish. I'm describing a horror movie, right? I mean, this is how a horror movie would start. No more signs of life, the last man on earth. You saw it. You saw it. And we still have people that are saying climate change is a hoax. We still have politicians, idiot politicians, who are not doing everything possible to combat global warming. We still have adults out there walking the streets denying science. We uh, warmed up this planet a little bit. We're denying that? Actually, I can't say we are, but some folks are, yeah? Is that what I'm hearing these days? You don't just get to press rewind in life. Wouldn't that be nice? But you don't. You don't just get the rewind button. So we did this with all of our industry, toxic emissions, from transportation to livestock, and precarious positions. Oh, God. You know what? Enough's enough. This is episode 107. 
maybe a short one. Enough's enough. I want to do one. I want to do a full episode, but where's my mind? It's floating into an orange haze, even right now. Even right now. I don't know if it's dark or light. I've never said that about the day. Is it dark out or is it light out? I don't know. Well, are you using your lights when you drive? Yes. But is it daytime and is it light? Yes. But how's visibility? Poor. Well, can you see? No. Is it light out? I think it is. What am I saying? It's simultaneously light and dark outside, and the state of California is in flames. This is not a news report. This is just a man melting down. Speaking of a man melting down, actually, I don't even have a great transition, but there's no sidekick on this show to like get me back on track. There's no co-host who's going to be like, <laughs> come on, Josh, things could be worse. You know, the voice of reason, sidekick. I'm listening to too many podcasts that just have a hot mic on for somebody to laugh at the host. It's the worst thing in radio slash podcasting slash audio entertainment. Give me a good host, right? You give me a quality host who can handle a show by themselves. I don't need the sidekick. Now, the radio world is so inundated with the sidekick who laughs. That's their job. The sidekick who says an obvious comment every 20 minutes and then gives you a stupid laugh. But now I'm hearing it on podcasts. I'm hearing it. These people are just hired to laugh and almost make it sound like the host went too far. Like if I said, man, it's the freaking apocalypse right now, then my co-host would be like, whoa, Josh, I wouldn't go that far, man. (laughs) That's a little much. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. Conan O'Brien. Great podcast. Who are the people with him laughing? Who? I don't need it. Some of my favorite sports radio hosts used to have just a hot mic on for somebody to laugh into. We don't need that. We don't need the bullshit. Actually, maybe the hosts do need that. I mean, the listener doesn't, but maybe the hosts are like, I like this. I like this sidekick who supports me. Supports my every comment with either a laugh or a whoa, pump the brakes on that one. You are a roller coaster. I'm going to press rewind on the podcast right now, though. I'm going to go back to my initial dog walk because something happened on that dog walk that I forgot to bring up because everything was so eerie. No other people walking their dogs. I didn't hear any birds chirping. I didn't even see the chickens by the coop, by the daycare school that I live by. I didn't see any of that. But I did see a gopher out of the hole halfway and maybe... 30% out of the hole. And I got close. And the gopher was not going back in the hole. And at that point, I wondered, I had a pure moment of curiosity, thinking, where do you go? Eventually, that gopher will go back into the hole. I've never gotten this close to a gopher. I think the gopher was like out of the hole, like, I give up. You know what? I'm good. Just roll me into the street. Let me reincarnate into a bird or something. But I'm, I'm done in the hole. And it was the classic looking gopher. Classic looking gopher. Yeah, it looks like a gerbil. You've seen them. They're brown. They're cute. And I was wondering, how close could I get? Could I pet this gopher? Or is that a great way to get rabies? But instead, uh uh-uh. Instead, I thought to myself, where are you going after this? If you're not getting out of the hole entirely, because I don't think gophers ever get out of the hole, right? They just show you the head like whack-a-mole in the hole and they go back. Where are you going? What are you eating today? Do you have a kitchen in there? A living room in there? What's your setup? How big is this hole? Or when it's dark, do you come out and then you go sleep in the mountains 
with the deer and the raccoon and the skunks and the snakes. Hey, gopher, where are you going? And how'd you get there? Who gave birth to you? Where's your family? Does every gopher have their own hole? Or does that hole go down to a tunnel of holes where there's tons of gophers just partying their asses off? Not even social distance partying. No, masks, just gopher parties five feet below the earth happening. And we don't even know this. We just see them pop their heads out. We go, cute gopher, and we keep walking. But I didn't keep walking today, nor did I Google. I bet if I Googled this, I could find all the answers. All the scientific-based research of how gophers live their lives and procreate. I could find the average lifespan of a gopher. I bet. I I don't want to Google, okay? I've been online all day. I don't want to do it. Let's just explore with our minds. You, right now, how much do you know about gophers? Okay, the University of Minnesota, we know they're the golden gophers. You think anybody on that campus, you think anybody in Minnesota truly understands their mascot? Golden gopher? Okay. Cute? Sure, I'll give you that. Beyond that, we don't know. Are they dangerous? Could they become pets? Do they need to be in the hole? All of these questions. Claustrophobic? They don't experience that. They don't have that ability to be claustrophobic. Otherwise, that's probably the worst existence, to be a claustrophobic gopher. Source of food? Worms? Group of friends? Ticks? Insects? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But an orange sky with ash on my head and a gopher looking at me out of the hole? It was a horror movie. Speaking of a horror movie, you gotta love my speaking of transitions. Uh, Speaking of a horror movie, but this one's real. My wife and I... We didn't pay for P90X, and I realized that fad is way out of style. People are doing new age workouts from Peloton to SoulCycle, but we looked up on YouTube P90X about six months ago, and there's one video from the P90X guy. His name is Tony Horton, I believe. Yes, weird guy, very douchey, but I move on. So Tony Horton has one 30-minute workout. It's a good workout. It's pretty good. It's just him with a bunch of people in a gym He's the instructor, but everybody else, maybe they're trainers, I don't know. So we watched this video and we did this workout so often that we started to create characters. Like, oh, look at that girl. She's probably a softball star, a former gymnast. She probably works at a local coffee shop. Like we were watching this workout video so frequently that we just kept creating characters. Oh, look at Keith. Keith is a true leader. He's fashionable. He probably is going through a breakup. Keith high school swimmer, I believe, and now just trying to discover his sensitive side, you know, just making up stories. So I thought we knew everybody in that room, the P90X video workout room. And then after not working out for so long, just becoming a total tub of shit on the couch, I went back and I said, it's time to whip myself into shape. So I went back to the P90X video and I started to notice people in the same exact workout video that I never recognized. And I thought to myself, great premise for a horror movie. New characters, slightly new to my eye, being introduced slowly. Who's the guy in the gray shorts? We never saw him. We never saw him. We used to watch this six months ago. I never saw that guy on the left with the gray shorts. And then the next time I watch it, who is that lady with the pink sweatshirt? Doing the crunches in the corner. I've watched this 300 times. I've never seen that lady. And then some of the people in the back, they just look at me. I'm going to write the movie right now. You know the premise, okay? New people introduced in what should have been a recorded video that never changes, but now I'm seeing new people. And slowly they stop working out. And slowly I'm in the dark, hazy, orange living room with a towel down for my workout. And on my big TV, my big flat screen, high def color 4K, 
Beautiful TV. Okay, it's a nice TV. I mean, it's not that nice, but it's pretty nice. Slowly, they just all stop working out. They stop doing their crunches. They stop doing their jumping jacks. And they all just come to the camera. And they just look at me. Like I'm in a human aquarium. Now I'm the subject. And all the people in the P90X workout video, they stopped working out. And no one's home. No one's home. My wife's at work. My daughter's with my mom. And it's just me. And the P90X team are swarming me. And they're close to the screen. And why don't I turn off the TV now? Because clearly I'm hallucinating, right? But I don't turn off the TV. And they just say, come with us. Come with us. And I go, I can't come with you. You're in the TV. Then an arm reaches through my Samsung. Beautiful high def flat screen. 4K. Over 50 inches, I think, TV. And an arm comes out and pulls me in. And then my wife comes home and she's so sad and she's so scared. Where's my husband? Where's my husband? And then she wants to do a workout, right? You know, that's the way to get over such a tragedy of losing your husband. So maybe it's later that day. She's just like, you know what? I need to release some endorphins, reduce my stress. I need a workout. So she goes to YouTube P90X. She turns it on. It's just me in the back. Oh, I'm stuck in the P90X video. Is this a horror or a comedy? That I don't know. That I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's an orange sky above me with ash falling on my head. Oh, what the fuck is happening? Happening. Happening. Oh, what the fuck is happening to the damn world? It's a beautiful little song we sing to our daughter before bed. We do. We do. (laughs) Is that right, Josh? You sing that song to her? (laughs) Terrific. Do I need a sidekick who laughs? You tell me. You tell me. Or maybe my split personality will take over and I'll just be both roles. But you never know. I could find a friend or a neighbor who's willing to plug in a mic so this podcast gets a little more colorful, a little more flavor, a little more action. The laugher. The laugher on the podcast. What's your job? Actually, Robin Quivers on Howard Stern is pretty great. So outside of Robin Quivers on the Howard Stern Show, who's not just a laugher. I mean, she's a laugher. Certainly, she's probably the original laugher, the legendary laugher who tries to keep Howard in line, but she has some substance. Robin is part of the show, needed on that show. If you have never heard the Howard Stern show, then tune in once because I think it has a different kind of reputation than what it actually is. You know, it has the reputation of him being a shock jock and just talking about sex, but he has completely evolved and I haven't heard the show in a long time, but his interviews are so damn good. Okay. Now that's called getting off topic. (laughs) Josh, get back on topic, man. (laughs) You are the king. Oh, I like that. Where the sidekick gives me compliments, kind of anoints me. (laughs) You're killing it, man. You're really bringing it for episode 107, aren't you now, pal? Uh, Thanks, sidekick in my head. Thanks, person that laughs and laughs and laughs at all the bullshit. All right, where were we? (laughs) We were nowhere. We were nowhere today. Uh, Speaking of being nowhere... Have you seen the new Charlie Kaufman movie on Netflix? I'm turning this into a terrible morning radio show. Have you, have you seen this piece of shit? I got to Google the title. I have to bring this up real quick. It's been so long since I've been excited for a movie. And my wife and I watched... Hold on, I'm Googling. What's it cooled? What is it cooled? What is it cooled? Found it. I'm thinking of ending things. That's the title of this movie. I'm thinking of ending things. 
Charlie Kaufman, who did Being John Malkovich, amazing movie. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, amazing movie. Adaptation, pretty good movie. Charlie Kaufman has a new movie on Netflix. My wife and I were excited. Pour the bourbon, get the popcorn, let's party. However, 75% of the movie in, I'm thinking like, this is a classic, this is a thriller, this is so exhilarating, so intriguing, the dialogue is great, and it's really bringing you somewhere. The plot is bringing you somewhere. And the last 25% of the movie was the biggest, hottest, steaming pile of ash-filled garbage that has ever been rolled into the street. And I didn't know you're allowed to do this. It was almost revolutionary to bring the viewer this far to what seemed to be like the last 25% of the movie and then just kick them right in their neck. That'd be the experience. Okay, this is an enjoyable film. And then someone comes into your living room, someone who has some MMA experience, maybe Kung Fu, Karate, Taekwondo, and kicks you right in your neck. And you're just like, what is that about? That's the experience. It goes from enjoyable to deplorable. Just the worst movie. This is the worst ending to any movie, Charlie. And you can't do that to a viewer. Nothing made sense. Nothing got tied up at the end. There was no point. There was no aha moment for it to be a thriller guiding me through this farm town in the snow. And then it just goes into nothing. It goes into nothing. You can't do that. And usually I say art should not have boundaries. But if you're going to make a movie, you have to have an ending. It doesn't have to be a good ending, but it just has to be some sort of an ending, right? You don't roll the credits in the middle of a thought, a senseless non sequitur thought. It would be like if I was telling a story, and this is a bad example because I probably tell some shitty stories, but if I was telling you a story and you were into it, it was gripping, let's just say I had your attention and you cared about the story I was telling. And then I just said, and celery, beaver book, Nintendo palm tree, carnivore Mitsubishi, giggity giggity, find me in France. And then I just left the room and we stopped talking. And you'd say, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's not nice. It makes me feel uneasy. And you'd want to Google, what was the end of Josh's story? So we Googled, what was the end of Charlie Kaufman's movie? And it still doesn't make sense. So I hate it. I hate it. But if you've seen it, please get a hold of me and tell me your thoughts about it. I want to discuss it. I wanted to discuss it with my wife, but she Googled it and found some answers. And I said, no, I want to know what you think. And she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think. Never seen a movie just do that to a viewer. Such a good movie for 75% of it. It was such a good movie. And then, huh, kick to my neck. God, does he know Kung Fu? He just kicked me in my neck at a decent part of the movie. And now my whole night's ruined. That's what happened. My whole night was ruined. I'm that sensitive to a shitty ending of a movie. I'm that sensitive. Maybe just in life. You want a Zoom update? How are the kids doing? How are the teenagers doing on Zoom? Some of them are doing well. And I want to start with that. It's very easy to say this is an ugly crisis and nothing is working when it comes to education. You could probably make a logical case that that's the truth. But really, there are some students. I check in with them. I go, who's adapting? Who's adjusting? Who's even thriving right now academically? Who's grasping this? And there are some students that raise their hands and say, you know what? This is kind of good for me. It fits me pretty well right now. I'm able to focus. I'm able to organize my time. And for those students, thank holy goodness they exist. Now for the other students, the obvious part, who's struggling right now, 
with your Zoom, Zoom, Zoom classes and your Google, 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 Google classroom? A lot of them. Are their parents home guiding them? No, a lot of them are home alone. Parents have gone to work. So it's up to them to log on for my Zoom class. It's up to them to be attentive and awake, get enough sleep, make sure that Chromebook is charged up. How's your Wi-Fi? A lot of them have terrible Wi-Fi. I call on them. Okay, no, mute. And that's how classes go. Wi-Fi issues and you wonder how attentive are they and if I only see your head in a box, I only see your face on a screen, what are you doing with your hands? Are you texting? Are you on your phone? So I don't truly know the percentage of students that are really engaged for the entire class. I do know it's working well for some of them who know how to manage their time. And these are teens. So this is almost college training. Can you manage your time? Can you manage your schedule and come back and do your classwork? Even during our tutorial time and office hours and cyber visits that can be very impersonal. Of course it's impersonal. I'm just a robot. I even told them that today. I think I convinced some of them. I am just a robot programmed to teach you from Novato High. And like Westworld, you couldn't tell because it looks like I have human features, human hair, human eyeballs, human nose, human lips. But I am programmed, which is why I'm the greatest teacher. You've had teacher, you've had te teach malfunction, robot teachers on Zoom. It's a lot of screen time. People probably have stingy eyes from the smoke in the sky and too much screen time and people probably have headaches from staring into these screens so long and people are developing addictions to the way they're searching through the apps and internet even when we want to look away from the screen there's something magnetic that pulls us back there is there is even if i was to throw my phone across the room and slam my laptop down within 10 minutes i'll grab my phone again and open up my laptop and start grading or going back through emails and it brings up the point of how much stress can we handle, really, before we just succumb to the fact that this is a time to be gentle with ourselves and gentle with others. It's not a time to yell at people. It's not a time to get upset with people. But this is like the definition of a time to just be calm and kind and let it pass without following our impulses towards the path of rage. It's so easy to spiral out of control every day and melt down. But if you just take a step back and say, I've got to be delicate with this situation, just like I would want people to be delicate with me, then I think we can lighten the load a little, right? Who am I talking to right now? Who am I talking to? Honestly, I'm acting like there's 50 people in this room. I think we can lighten the load, right? Here's the point I want to get to. All right, you followed me this far. I want to get to this point. There is a show on Netflix about barbecue masters, chef's table, uh, barbecue edition and there's an 85 year old pit master this lady in texas her name is tootsie tomarance and i'm not making this up if you haven't seen it she's an 85 year old woman in texas named tootsie tomarance and she is the greatest barbecue master in a state that values barbecue higher than most things who's tootsie right who's tootsie they told her life story in this episode find this episode if you can it's amazing. She doesn't even use thermometers. She just uses her old grizzled hand. She puts it on the oven. And she goes, it's hot enough. The coals are ready. And people line up. She's famous now. She never meant to be famous, but she just understands how to barbecue brisket, chicken, pork, ribs, sausage. She has a deeper understanding of this skill than most people. And at age 85, thanks to Netflix, she's famous and she should be. But one of the things she says, because she has memories of how the old community used to be, 
She says, people used to have time just to sit, chill, and eat some barbecue. And nowadays we move so fast, don't we? We're all so busy. Or we all think we're busy or we intend to be busy. Do we really have time to just chill with the fellow community members? No, no. We're always going somewhere quick. We even have to fit in our healthy things. Got to do a quick meditation, quick yoga, quick workout. And I got to do email real quick. And then I got to prep for the next day's work and prep for the next day's meals real quick. Hit the grocery store real quick. Do I have time to make that phone call? Yeah, but it's got to be quick. Now we text people, right? We don't just call people. We text people to say, can I call you at some point? And what time could I call you? And for how many minutes should that call be? And Tootsie Tomarance was like, we used to just come together and no one was in a rush and we would enjoy the brisket. And I was like, oh my God, this is medieval. This is so ancient. Even though she's probably just discussing the 1950s and 60s, how it used to be in her town. But we don't do that. We don't chill with our fellow community members. I mean, we have family, we have groups of friends, but when it comes to really chilling, we've allowed ourselves to feel so busy and make that seem like it's a norm. Oh, it's such a norm to wake up and just have a list, a giant fucking checklist to tackle every day. Don't we? Don't we? Are we low on this? Are we low on this? Do we need to run out and get this because we're low on this? Oh, and do we need to buy this? Go on Amazon for this? And don't we need to sign up for this? Shouldn't we sign up for this? And at that point, you know, it can make your day fly by. So Tootsie knows how to reflect. I needed to see that episode with Tootsie Tomerance, eh? Hey, Tootsie Tomerance. The brisket looked good, too. I think that's the most obvious thing I could have said. And the brisket looked good, too. So this is episode 107. That means I've said a lot of things. From episode one to right now, I've said a lot of things. I think that's the point of a podcast. Say some things. And one of the things I said a few episodes back was that I used to be an NBA fanatic, almost a savant in the early 90s. And I opened up a pack of Fleer cards and I've never received such a response from listeners. I feel like I heard from more people about the pack of basketball cards I opened up a few weeks ago And I thought to myself, all right, you know something? I got to bring that back. And as I was searching through my old drawers, I found a pack of baseball cards as well. So I do have a new pack of Fleer 1991 basketball cards I'm about to open. And if you don't care about sports or old cards, then right now is the time to say goodbye. Farewell. I'll see you next week. Talk to you next week. But if you are still with me and you care to hear me open up, a pack of Topps Stadium Club 1992 Series 3 baseball cards, which are labeled Super Premium Picture Cards, and they even have a little Kodak logo in the corner. There's still a price tag on this pack. It says $2.20. I'm going to feel it right now before I open it. This is baseball. It's not basketball. I'll get to basketball in a sec. And the goal is for me to just on the spot look at these cards. Hopefully I recognize all the players. Will I? I don't know. But to have at least one fun fact of what indelible image or memory I have of these guys, because I was a huge, huge baseball fan also back in the early 90s. So Top Stadium Club, 1992. I don't feel any gum, but I could be wrong. Here we go. You hear that? You hear that sound? I'm opening the pack. I've never seen this pack. I'm opening the pack. Why would I save it? Why would I save it? Here we go. All right. First card, out of the gates. Oh my God, Kenny Lofton, one of my favorite leadoff hitters ever. Kenny Lofton, this is amazing, from the Indians, who recently tweeted something about Lute Olson, who passed away, the legendary University of Arizona basketball coach. Kenny Lofton tweeted, you know, 
Coach Lute came to see me play baseball, and Kenny Lofton was a college basketball player at U of A. And my God, handsome man. Good card. Starting off with Kenny Lofton. Shit, did I love him. Loved Kenny. Some incredible catches in center field. The next one, Juan Bell of the Orioles. Nope, never heard of him. The next one, Wally Joyner. And this is Wally on the Royals, but oh my God, I remember Wally with many, many teams from the Angels to the Padres. His name's Wally Joyner. Isn't that what you name your English Bulldog? Hey, Wally Joyner. But Wally Joyner, lefty, seemed like a pleasant guy, always in a conversation when somebody would get walked or hit a single to get at first base. He was one of the chattier first basemen. The next one, Scott Fletcher. Never heard of you. The next one, Turner Ward, Blue Jays. Never heard of you. I'm losing steam. Oh, the next one is just something that says Club Membership 1992. Should I join this club? Should I call the number? Hello, this is Josh Rosenberg, and I'd like to be part of the Top Stadium Club. Will anyone answer that call? All right, up next, let's see. Jeff Conine, of course I remember Jeff Conine. This is him with the Royals, but I remember Jeff Conine with the Marlins, the great Marlins team that went and won the World Series. He's a power hitter, not much defense, but yeah, Jeff Conine says... Six foot one, 205. My God, I thought he was like six six. Big old arms filled with Deca Diana ball. Up next is Alejandro Pena of the Braves. Never heard of you. Up next is Alan Mills of the Orioles. I've never heard of you. Oh my God. Look who's next. Bo motherfucking Jackson. I'm holding a Bo Jackson White Sox card. Do I really need to tell you a memory I have of Bo? How about the fact that he dominated our lives? Bo knows commercials, the shoes. Are you kidding? The former Raider, former Royal. Here he is with the White Sox. His hip injuries, which cost him. We're probably talking about the greatest athlete of all time when it comes to Bo Jackson. I mean, that's debatable, but nobody, nobody nowadays could play at that level in the NFL and in Major League Baseball. And what about market appeal? God, I loved Bo. But who didn't love Bo, right? You find me someone who didn't love Bo Jackson. It's like if you ever meet someone that dislikes ice cream. I just, I don't care for ice cream. Really? Okay, goodbye. Up next, oh, Dave Burba on the Giants. I liked Dave Burba. I remember Dave Burba. I remember him real well. Big right-hander. That was the era where the Giants had Ellis Burks, young Barry Bonds. When I say young Barry Bonds, I just mean before, you know, before he exploded into a mountain of muscle. He was still strong and lean, but the early Giants teams with Barry, with D. Lou in center field, Matt Williams, Will Clark, Kurt Manwaring, Kurt Manwaring, Robbie Thompson, Dave Burba, loved you. Actually, this might have been before Barry. So that rant is stale. Who's this? Terry Leach. Terry Leach. This guy looks like he hunts from the White Sox. Never heard of you. Chuck Knobloch. Twins is the next card. I love Chuck Knobloch. Remember he had like a mental issue, a psychological issue where he couldn't throw to first base. He was in the majors, so clearly he knew how to throw to first base, but he had like a mental glitch where he would just sail it into the crowd. Chuck Knobloch. Then he played with the Yankees, got some rings. People love Chuck. He was an all-star. Chuck Knobloch is what I would have looked like. Not played like, but if I had a Twins uniform on as a grown man and got in shape, I think I would have looked like Chuck Knobloch. Who's next? Tim Scott. Heard of him. No memories. And who's next? Joe Beaver? It's B-O-E-V-E-R. Joe Beaver? How do you pronounce this? So Top Stadium Club. He's on the Astros and his name is Joe B-O-E-V-E-R. Boever or Beaver? 
Hey, Joe Beaver, caught a fever. And then up next is, oh, I hate to end with a guy I never heard of, Bill Landrum from the Expos. Hey, Bill, why are you in my pack and ruining my podcast? Because I have nothing to say about you, except you're just a normal looking white guy who has a mitt on your hand in this photo. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to go with the basketball. I'm losing steam. I'm not opening the pack of basketball cards. That segment of me opening Topps Stadium Club cards plummeted. That was not interesting. I was about to say not interesting radio, but this is not radio. This is a podcast and the podcast is over and it won't be over until I sing the hit song. What the fuck is happening? Ooh, happening. Hey, happening. And what the fuck is happening with our world? Goodbye.